Dear Heavenly Father, we once again come before you in this gift of prayer. We know that you do indeed dwell among us as your people. We are so grateful for this. We know that we have your attention. We know that we have your love, both in the hearing of our prayers and in the answering of them, whatever your answer to them may be. And we know that all this is because of your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, that we may become your children, brothers and sisters to one another. So Heavenly Father, we do come before you and we make use of this gift and we ask for your provision and for your grace. We ask that you bring a peaceful resolution to the war in Ukraine, that you bring peace to the sometimes forgotten wars taking place elsewhere in the world, we ask that you bring peace to the ideological and political wars being fought right here at home as well. And we ask that you provide for those ravaged, not by war, but by disease. We ask that you give an end to the COVID-19 pandemic. And we ask that you give our leaders wisdom and insight to better deal with the monkeypox epidemic, which has triggered a state of emergency right here in California. We ask that you give healing of both body and heart to the communities disproportionately impacted by monkeypox. And we ask that you provide for our teachers, school administrators, district employees, and students. We ask for a safe, productive, and stable school year. And we ask for you to provide all the resources, those struggling under the burden of all they have to carry, all the resources they need to preserve their mental health and well-being. And we ask for your grace, God, to help us remember these suffering neighbors, friends, and family members. We ask for your grace to help us see the sufferers and even the perpetrators of suffering, not as unrecognizable, easily hateable others, but as fellow lost children desperately in need of the love and forgiveness and acceptance that we have found in Christ Jesus. And may the grace we share with others be a pleasing offering to you even as we lift up to you our songs and our gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 1, 3 to 6. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Thank you, Eugene. And... Uh... Hello, everybody, again. It's great to see you guys two weekends in a row. Uh, from the first service, I seldom get to see you. Uh, my name is Jerry, and I'm on the second uh, sermon of a short two-sermon series on the functioning of our church uh, from the Ephesians chapter four. As a reminder, last week, what we had done is we covered the unity of the church, the sevenfold unity of the church. Uh, may we have the first slide, please? Thank you. So just as a reminder, we are one body, and we are tied together 
with one faith, one hope, and one baptism, and we are under the lordship of one spirit, one Lord, and one God the Father. And we as the body, as the, we are too eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. And then we as the individuals, the fletching of the arrow, we are to hold one another with love, with agape, we are to be humble and gentle and patient with one another. This week, we're going to explore a different facet of our church, which is how does our church function? What makes for a healthy and vibrant church? Is it the sermons? Is it the Bible studies? Is it evangelistic outreach? Is it a charismatic preacher? Not. Is it, is it the music that we hear and the ministries that you're involved in or the management? Is it the prayer, pulpit, programs, potlucks? Is it alliteration that makes a church great? <laughs> well, while all of these are undoubtedly very important, I would submit to you that they are but the outcomes, the, the visible evidence of a well-functioning, healthy church. They don't, in and of themselves, create the health. I want to use a metaphor, a picture, that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 2. And there, he compares the church to a building, in fact, a holy temple, of which each one of us is a brick. And this temple, built up of all these bricks, is founded on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. Well, applying this picture to our body, I'm gonna cut and paste. Applying this picture to us, what you see of, the, of our church, the ministries, the programs, the preaching, the outreach, and so forth, they are built on top of these fundamental foundational elements. They're the bricks that you know, stack together and on top of each other to make a healthy church. What underlies the functioning of PBCC then are these concepts that we find in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we call them core values. And we're gonna look at a few of them, review a few of them today. We start with, in the center, the word of God. That's why the word of God is in the center of all these pe people. And we use our spiritual gifts within the body. We participate in doing God's work in doing the ministry of the saints. And uh, we do all that and we bring the whole body to unity and to maturity. And over the last 20 years, when I've had the privilege of serving as an elder here, I found that these bricks contained within Ephesians 4 to be absolutely essential to the function and the, the flourishing of our body here. And today, we're going to be covering three verses in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. Let me read them with you. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, these verses can be broken down to, into basically four sections, which are sort of the four, the four bricks that we use to build a healthy church. And these bricks are spiritual gifts, we see four of them here, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry until we all attain unity and maturity. Yet, underlying all of this, it, the, these foundational bricks, is yet another thing. What do you think that is? If you're thinking Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, yep, you got it, absolutely. But um, in context of today's message about our PBCC core values, I'm gonna submit a different or an additional foundational brick. And this is the word of God. Um, and we're gonna see how the word of God and devotion to it is tied together all of, the, all of the other bricks that we just talked about. Let's begin with this concept of spiritual gift in the upper left. Spiritual gift in Greek is the word charismata. Charismata, which is, has as its root the word charis, which means grace, the divine God-given grace. Now, um, Ray Stedman describes this spiritual gifts this way. He calls it a capacity for service, which is given to every true Christian without exception, which each did not possess before becoming a Christian. It's a capacity for service given to every one of us. Now, there are some 20 or so spiritual gifts listed in the Bible in what I like to talk, call the 412, 412 verses on, scripture, on, on spiritual gifts. And these are Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, and 1 Corinthians 12. Now, um, I'm not gonna enumerate all 20 of them today, but I'm gonna focus on just four of them that we find in Ephesians 4, in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Next slide, please. So we're going to um, talk about each one of these teaching gifts. We'll start first with the apostles. Now, the apostles, the word means sent messengers. Sent messengers. The original apostles include, of course, the 12 disciples of Jesus and Paul. Uh, Paul, he calls himself also an apostle. In fact, he, he, re he recounts in 1 Corinthians 15 this description. He, in verse 7, he wrote, Then he, that is Jesus, appeared to James, that is the brother of Jesus, and then he appeared to all the apostles, the 12. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So the apostles were the 12 disciples of Jesus, and they personally witnessed Jesus. They personally had a direct calling to found the church, to create the church. Um, Peter, of course, was the apostle to all the Jews in Jerusalem. Um, Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles throughout the Mediterranean Sea. 
So apostles had an authority from Christ to establish the church, and their inspired words formed our scriptures. While these apostles, who um, had the direct calling from Jesus, lived only in the first century, um, I would submit that even today, there are some who have, in a secondary sense, the, the gift of the apostles, in the sense that they are sent messengers, church planters whom we send out with the message of Christ to establish and found churches in unreached people groups, I would consider them to have the apostolic gift and fulfill that role. Now the second uh, gift is the prophets. The Greek word for prophet means speaking forth, speaking forth for God to be a spokesman of God. Of course, we hear uh, many um, Old Testament prophets, the familiar Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the 12 minor prophets, and so forth. Uh, These Old Testament prophets heard directly from God. We read words such as, the word of the Lord came to me. The Lord spoke through Isaiah, son of Amos. They had direct revelation to God. They proclaimed it to anyone who would hear. And God sent these spokesmen into Israel to, to tell them of the coming, the coming impending doom and judgment. He urged them to return and to repent. And he delivered, he proclaimed through these prophets the promise of a future messianic savior. In the New Testament, who are the prophets? Well, clearly Jesus was a spokesman of God. Well, he spoke to us, and he was God, so he was definitely spokesman. I would uh, think that the Apostle John was a prophet. He had direct revelation from God. He recorded those prophecies in the book of Revelation. There were other New Testament authors, like Mark and Luke and James, who, although they weren't the original 12 uh, apostles, I think they were also spokesmen of God. They, they, they worked under God's authority. They worked under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so their writings, the writings of the apostles, the writing of the prophets, they became the canon of scripture. And they built this foundation of scripture on Jesus Christ. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That foundation has been laid, it is done, no more word can be added to the scripture. Now the third gift is the evangelist. Evangelist is a bringer of the good news of salvation. In Greek it's evangelion, which is the glad tidings of your salvation. Evangelists have a special gift and a passion to proclaim the gospel to those who are not yet believers. Right? Philip was an evangelist. Mark was known as an evangelist. And there are other New Testament evangelists who grew the family of God numerically by being witnesses of Christ. And of course, Peter and Paul, they had the gift and the role of the evangelist as well. What about today? Well, I think all Christians are to evangelize with their life. And they are, we are asked by the Holy Spirit, you know, and told through the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And we have to have our story ready 
to give to our friends and tell them about Christ in our lives. In fact, Peter, in his 1 Peter 3, writes, all of us should be ready and prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. However, the, spirit, the, the spiritual gift of evangelism goes beyond lifestyle evangelism, which I just spoke about. With this gift in operation, proclaiming the word of God to non-believers, it brings new life, it brings new converts. Uh, clearly, in present age, uh, Billy Graham is a prime example of an evangelist. And there are many, many more evangelists throughout the world, throughout history. And what these evangelists do is they, they bring the word of God to non-believers, they communicate the whole truth of Jesus so that the word becomes, it becomes clear, it com becomes compelling, and it changes lives. And I know in this body there are many who have that gift of evangelism. And you have that impact on the lives around us. Witness the impact that people have had in the prison ministries the impact on children and on their parents through the kids' club, the impact that you have in your workplace. The world is indeed blessed by all of you who have that gift of evangelism. The fourth gift that we talk about is the shepherd and teachers. While it's not apparent in the English translation, in Greek, it is clear that these refer to one person, not two. Uh, the spiritual gift is one, uh, pastor, teacher, or shepherd, teacher. Every pastor, therefore, every shepherd has a gift of teaching, although not every teacher is also a pastor. The word pastor, poimen, um, in Greek, it literally means the shepherd, the person who's out there caring for the sheep and protecting the sheep and feeding and healing the sheep. And the word teacher, didaskalos, that means an educator, an instructor, one whom we actually just prayed for earlier, that Eugene prayed for. So in the present day, this gift of pastor-teacher is very often associated with the preachers or the pastors of a church, because indeed, that's what they do. They take the word of God, they apply it into the lives of the body, they teach it, and then they, they keep protect us from harm and heal us from injury. But beyond the paid staff, though, I know that there are so many more here in this body who have that gift and who have that role of a teacher, pastor, uh, shepherd. I mean, witness all the leaders in the various ministries, in the children's and the youth ministries, in the women's and men's and special purpose um, groups, all of you Bible study teachers, and more. So now, um, I want to draw a picture. You know me, I like pictures, they help me think. So I want to use this picture for you to tie these together, these four teaching gifts. Imagine a picture frame, and the four sides of the frame are the four gifts. They're the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd teacher. Now, in the middle of this frame, in the center which of the frame where all the sides support and have in common is the word of God. The word of God is in the center of all these gifts. Let me explain. 
You see, the apostles found the church on the word of God. The prophets take the word of God and they exclaim it and proclaim it out loud and with authority. The evangelists take the word of God and bring it to the non-believers and grow the church. And the shepherd teachers, they take the word of God and apply it within the body. You see, each, each of these gifts have different ways of working themselves out and have different looks, and they impact different parts of the population. But each one of them is definitely founded and, and securely on the, on the word of God. And so I want to use this illustration to springboard to this next part, which is the foundation of, G, of, the foundation of this church, PBCC. And that is devotion to the word of God. Uh, we, we call that one of, of our core values at PBCC. While the ministries that you see, uh, the preaching, the classes, the languages, the outreach, they are all vital. They are all undergirded by the word of God, by our devotion to God's word. And therefore, from the pulpit, in your Bible studies, from the curricula of all the ministries, expository preaching will bring this word of God into our hearts so we can hear and we can obey and be changed. That's why at PBCC, we tend not to cherry pick passages from around different parts of the Bible in order to prove our point of view. And we skip over those passages which are difficult or controversial. No, we don't do that. Instead, from the pulpit and our Bible studies and so forth, we use expository teaching. We want to study the Bible itself, word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. In the, yeah, and, and the importance of that was ex well expressed by Paul in 2 Timothy. And he wrote, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. See, PBCC then holds these convictions to be foundational that all scripture is from God, all scripture is profitable, all scripture can bring us into maturity, and it will make us equipped for every good work. And that transitions us to this next concept, being equipped for every good work. And we'll continue in Ephesians 4 and read what are all of our roles in the, in the work of God and the body of Christ. We read, and he gave the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. Right? Now, notice that the description of the shepherd teachers, it, the, the church leaders, it consists of only one verb. That's equip. You see, the, the, the pastor teacher isn't supposed to equip the saints and do the work of the ministry, and build up the body of Christ, and print the church bulletins, and to lead worship, and to wash toilets, and, and so on and so forth. Now, if we, if we do that, and if any church does that, you're going to have a burned out pastor in no time, right? It's a misconception to think that the paid clergy has to do all the work. Their role is to equip 
the saints, that's you and you and you and me, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The word equip um, in, in Greek, it's used in the New Testament as mending, like mending a net so that it could be used for fishing. It's also used in Greek as, as placing, as setting the bone so that your body can be supported by the bone. And so if we were to apply that to us, it means in our church, our pastor teachers, they make us completely sufficient for the job at hand. Equipping us means we're being put into a position so that we can do the work of the ministry. And our leaders do that by training us, by teaching us in the word of God, by counseling us, discipling us in small groups. The role, well, the motto of, of our leaders could really be the motto that once we've heard for Home Depot, which is, you can do it, we can help. <laughs> right? Let's continue in verse 12. We, we continue and we read, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. So from this verse, it embodies yet another one of our PBCC's core values, which is participating in God's work in doing the ministry of the saints. We sometimes use those interchangeably. So how do we participate in God's work? How do we become God's instrument in doing his kingdom work? Well, our job description is right here. It's twofold. There's doing the work of the ministry and building up the body of Christ. Let's start with the first one, the work of the ministry. The word ministry is diakonia, diakonia, which means service. It means serving one another, meeting the needs of one another. Of course, diakonia is also the word from which we get the word deacons, right, Alan and Joanne? Deacons. Um, and the deacons, including you guys, are really the hands and feet of Jesus here in our body. But what's really neat about the deacons is that they don't do all the work um, on their own, and I see so many deacons here, but in addition, they include, they recruit other peoples in the work of the ministry, in caring for the body. So they, they train people who have different skills and different passions to help one another. So if you have a skill or a gift, a passion, if you have power tools and you know how to use them, we invite you to put those gifts to work. We, off, we encourage you to offer your service, your diakonia, to our church body. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, one of the 4.12, 4.12 verses, he wrote, as each has received a gift, the spiritual gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So we must use our spiritual gift. That's the second implication. We each have a unique blend of spiritual gifts that allows us to contribute uniquely to God's work. I know many of us here have the gift of teaching. And so you lead us in our Bible studies ministries. Many of you have the gift of hospitality, so you open up your home, and you welcome people, and you connect them. And you serve us in the, in the community hour between services. 
Many of you have the gift of evangelism, as we heard of how kids club uh, people have been impacted by your evangelism. You have the gift of mercy, and you serve in the rotating safe car park, which is gonna pick up in the fall. Your gift of administration and your generous giving are exemplified in the Grace Village Project, in the Christmas shoeboxes. You help musically with our worship team, with choir, and your technical skills help us with live streaming. Thank you, live streaming team, for all of what you do. And obviously, is around us, the visual arts and ministry. That's fueled by all the artists among us. We are blessed, and we are encouraged by each one of you doing that. And we encourage you to continue to explore what your gifts are. And when you put them into service, into diakonia, then you are doing the ministry of the saints. You are participating in God's work. That's how PBCC functions. Now, our second uh, implication is building up the body of Christ. That's our job description. Building up the body of Christ. This word building up is the same word that we encountered last week when I quoted from Romans 14, where he exhorted us to pursue for what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. So that's our second job, to build up and to edify the whole body. And we can do this by building relationships with one another Sundays and elsewhere. We can help by connecting one another to groups, to ministries. If you feel at all that you're not plugged in or that you're not connected, well, we have something called connection groups, which I'm going to invite Eugene later on to come and, and tell us about. In these relationships, you can be praying for one another. You can be discipling one another. You can be performing acts of service, like bringing a meal, like offering a ride, like babysitting for a date night for someone. These and many other generous and kind acts are what build us up. It strengthens our bonds, our relations, our unity and, and relational unity, and our whole church becomes stronger and more intimate, both with each other and with God. Now, building up the body of Christ doesn't necessarily mean our numbers grow or that our parking lot overflows. Rather, what results from building up the body of Christ are these things. There's unity, there's, there's maturity, there's so much more. So let's read verse 13. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of Christ, Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So these four things. First of all, we attain the unity of faith. This unity, of course, is what we talked about last week. It's a, it's a beautiful spirit-created unity that we maintain eagerly, that we maintain by being gentle and kind and patient and loving with one another and binding us together in the ligament of peace. The second is the knowledge of the Son of God, knowing Jesus and loving Jesus more each and every day. In fact, knowing Jesus and making him known could be you know, PBCC's mission statement if we had one. Third, we become mature in our walk with the Lord. 
And Paul dives into this much more in the next verse, which we won't uh, cover, but he wrote in verse 14 of this chapter, we're no longer tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And fourth, we reflect the fullness of Christ, his full stature. Remember last week we talked about Christ in you, the hope of glory? That's the same concept repeated here. It means that we can reflect the fullness of Christ, the full stature of Christ, his glory, his character, his agape love. We reflect all of that to a watching world, a world who needs Christ so very much. We become a comforting and an attractive light so that we can draw our friends, our neighbors, our family to Christ and present them to God and bring them to the praise of his glorious grace. Because that, in the end, is the goal of our church as a body. It is our calling as his people. So let me wrap up my portion of today's message. So these are the foundational bricks underlying the functioning of PBCC. We, are, we have, first of all, the foundational brick of devotion to the word of God. Our teachers use their teaching gifts to equip us. And then we use our spiritual gifts to do the work of the ministry, participating in God's work. And when all of those get pulled together, we become mature and we reflect the glory of God to a watching world. So having covered these principles, I'm now gonna invite Eugene to come up and wrap up the sermon with practical ways to apply these principles um, in his ministry called con Connection Groups. So Eugene, please come up. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm going to very respectfully place the devotion to the word of God down here, just because this is a little bit of a small podium here. Well, thank you so much, Jerry, for giving me the opportunity to talk about connection groups and just the fact that we can tag team this sermon together, I think, is already an illustration of the different parts of the body coming together for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. And so I just really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. And I would like to share with you, brothers and sisters, about connection groups and how we can use them to put what you've just heard directly into action. We have many ways to do the ministry, the work of ministry at PBCC, and we will be hearing more about them in the coming weeks. But we also have many ways to participate in God's work of building up the body of Christ. For example, we have men's and women's groups we have growth groups. We have groups that study the Bible together. We have groups that learn biblical languages together. We have groups that review the Sunday sermons together, groups that read Christian books together. We have many different groups for building up the body of Christ. But sometimes it has been a little difficult to find out more about those groups if you weren't already involved in one. And maybe there have been times when some of us had an idea, an idea to bring people together, but we weren't really sure how to get that idea off the ground. Or maybe some of us have wondered if we were called to lead something, but we weren't sure how to test that calling out unless it was a calling to teach the word or guide a study. 
Maybe we've wanted to connect in new ways, but we just haven't been sure how to channel that desire. Well, brothers and sisters, let's try and change that today. After much observation, prayer, and discussion, the pastors and elders of PBCC have decided to bring our existing groups and open up the possibility for new groups under a new initiative we call Connection Groups. What is a connection group? Well, the technical definition is up on the screen, but here's, here's a simpler one. A connection group is a place for people to grow with one another. It's a place for people to share life with one another, to be discipled and spiritually formed together. And they can use just about anything as their point of connection. We call these common interests, and across the connection groups that currently exist at PBCC, you'll notice that the common interest has generally been either biblical or Christian studies, or the life stage that you're in. But what if we broadened that to include other common interests? What if we had a group where the common interest was ping pong, I'm sorry, table tennis? <laughs> or, or perhaps learning how to paint? or sharing family recipes once a month, or prayer walking through downtown San Jose, or practicing Lectio Divina on the weekend with a group of other believers. Maybe it could be exploring and discovering what it means to become a Christian for the very first time. What if we could take our interests, affinities, gifts, and hobbies and use them as connection points? Imagine, imagine a church where connections branch out in this way. Rooted in devotion to God's word, each member reaches out and connects with others, creating spaces where discipleship and formation can happen. This is already happening at PBCC, so why not recognize what God is already doing and join in? And why not give it a little more structure to better engage more of us in what God is already doing? Connection groups come with a new structure. Connection groups will be termed, meaning they will be offered at set times of the year, which will be broken up into four-month trimesters, September to December, January to April, and May to August. Each connection group will decide which trimesters they will be active and which they won't. And at the end of each term, connection group members and leaders will be given the opportunity to decide whether they'd like to continue or take a break. This gives leaders and members easy on-ramps and off-ramps to decide how they'd like to engage with the body of Christ at PBCC. We know that our leaders and our members go through different life changes, different situational changes. Maybe they gain or they lose some extra time that they had or didn't have. Sometimes change happens, and we can embrace that. Maybe that can actually drive us to engage with the body of Christ in a different way, and so we provide these on-ramps and off-ramps to facilitate that. On top of that, this will also give potential leaders a chance to try leading a group without having to commit the rest of their lives to it. But this isn't the only way that this new initiative will support its leaders. Connection group leaders will receive at least two trainings per semester, I'm sorry, trimester, consisting of prayer, sharing, brainstorming, and teaching how to support our groups. So brothers and sisters, the question becomes, how do you want to connect at PBCC? 
What kind of connection groups would you like to see added to what we already have? And just to be clear, nothing that we already have is being taken away. We will always be Peninsula Bible Church Cupertino. So we will always stand on the word of God, but what would you like to see in addition to that? added to that as a point of connection, as a common interest for developing those safe places for discipleship and formation to happen? Do you have an interest? Is there a book that you'd like to read with other believers? Is there an activity or even just a space in person or online that you'd like to use as a connection point for building up the body of Christ? If you have an idea for a connection group, please share it with me. Share it with Sean. Share it with the other pastors who will be helping me in my role as pastor of discipleship and formation. Even after first service this morning, we already had ideas like a pickleball group or a knitting club. These are great ideas, great spaces where we can share our lives together, share the word of God with one another, share how we are growing into both of these things as God is directing and leading us. So whether it's just a scribble on a napkin or a fully fleshed out concept ready to go, please share your ideas with us and let us see how we can get connecting. And let's do it soon. Our first trimester is just around the corner. While we might have to save your idea, further develop your idea for a future trimester, we'd like to get as many groups going as possible so we can give everyone a chance to sign up on the first of our two Connection Sundays at the end of this month. And yes, you heard me correctly, and your eyes are not deceiving you. At the end of this month, we will have two Connections Sundays. On the 21st, we will be focusing on ways to connect, offering sign-ups after service for all the connection groups that will be ready to go for the fall. On the 28th, the week after, we will be presenting ways to serve, offering sign-ups for various ministry teams, some of which you heard Jerry share about in the, today's message. So that's what's coming later this month, and you'll hear more details about it next Sunday, and we'll even update our website to better reflect some of these changes as they come through. But for now, would you please join me in praying for this new initiative? Even that phrase, new initiative, I want to explain just a little bit more. When we use phrases like that, sometimes it can sound like it's coming from us. And that's really not what we intend. This is something that we feel strongly that the Lord is leading us into. In fact, as God was directing myself and Sean and the other pastors and the elders in talking about this, formulating this idea, at the same time, we were also wondering who was going to preach for us during the summer. And as the different pieces were falling into place independently of one another, we realized that Jerry was going to be preaching on Ephesians 4 these two weeks, specifically about the body of Christ on this week, this week that we had decided would be the week we would announce this initiative. And this is a God thing. God is leading us into this. And so can we pray for our own hearts to join in in what God is doing? Can we pray for our future connection group leaders that God would raise and appoint and strengthen and encourage them to take on this call to leadership? Can we pray for new ideas to begin sprouting in our congregation, whether it's knitting, pickleball, or anything else? Can we pray for new ideas that can be developed into a connection group where we can have discipleship and formation taking place? And then can we pray that discipleship and formation would thrive at PBCC?
I'd like to invite our praise team up to the front to create that space for us to take some time and to reflect and to pray. You can do that right in your seat. You can do that quietly to yourself in your head or maybe even a little bit, you know, speaking as well. Don't be afraid, but let's just pray together for this initiative that God himself has initiated. Let's pray for our our connection groups and for our body as a whole. For our benediction, I'm going to read, sorry. Ah, it's okay. For our benediction, I'm gonna read, verses from 1 Peter and from Ephesians 3. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.